0: Time when war gamers played with chain mail and the rise of the wizards of the coast, there was an age
1: of gamers. And unto this, Gygax, destined to bear the crown jewel of TSR upon a troubled brow,
0: to show you all how to roll for
2: initiative.
3: Welcome, everyone, to issue number 70 for the Roll for Initiative podcast, the last episode of the year 2011 i am dm vince along with dm matt hello everyone dm nick howdy 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 and the dm will hey there and we are back with another well this will be a full show this week no special inserts don't worry we won't rip you guys off with a fake show
2: yes full full show
3: yeah (laughs) like we've been doing so uh what's everyone up to i know will you just finished a big move
0: yeah i got you know back into the house uh got most of it unpacked. Still got a lot of unpacking to do. And I was just explaining uh, I think to Nick and, and Matt there, you know, I moved out of a two-bedroom apartment into a four-bedroom house. I'm still having difficulty finding things, you know, to put... I'm, I ran out of room.
3: Oh geez.
0: So how I don't know how possible? to... Uh, I, <laughs> believe me. If I should, took pictures, you'd be surprised. But, uh, no, actually, you know, real, got mostly everything unpacked and uh, I started gaming also last weekend. So I'm back to gaming again, back on schedule.
3: Very Did nice. A... What have you been
2: up to, Nick? Um, just you know, getting ready for for Christmas. You know, decorating my yard. I got like six inflatables up front. Uh, yeah, I got one of the neighbors saying, "Hey, how you doing, Mister Griswold?" <laughs> and, and, uh, <laughs> I'm like, "You're like," I'm like, "Have you not seen around the neighborhood?" I'm like, light on the decorations. <laughs> I got somebody up the street here who can, like, you know, there's Air Force planes that are crashing into his house. It's so bright. But, uh, (laughs) yeah, getting ready for that, getting the tree this weekend. Haven't done uh, really uh, much, uh, any gaming besides computer gaming on my new computer that I got. Yay. My wife got me a new computer for Christmas. What kind? I got an HP. It's got a quad-core uh a m d processor in it it's nice and shiny oh it's nice and shiny <laughs> i love it it's got i got basically and and dual uh video cards so it's like okay. it's got the onboard video that's integrated plus another one on on top of that and there you can use them simultaneously so yep. i have like one point five gigahertz uh gigabytes of of video memory for just gaming and it's like wicked awesome so well you don't need that for those DOS games you be playing. But DOS games oh. are you out in your mind. Oh. <laughs> no, still oh,
1: good old games is having a huge sale on all the old games right now. pretty much their entire site's fifty percent off, so you could pick up Baldur's Gate for five bucks, the complete collection. It. Uh Planescape for five dollars. Got it. Yeah, unfortunately, I have most of them, too. But if you or if you want to play the old uh, Tex Murphy, Mean Streets or uh, Space Quest or Police Quest. I've
2: been playing a lot of Team Fortress, too, actually. Oh, I love Team Fortress, too. So anywho, that's all. I'm hoping that we're going to get in a game here before Christmas on our regular group. But don't see it happen. We usually take kind of a hiatus around Christmas and New Year. So what about you, Vince? How about you? What's been up with you?
3: I've uh, mostly been just packing away, putting things in boxes, getting ready for the big move over to the big old Texas. That's right. Everything's bigger than Texas. I try to get my big steak in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was hoping to uh, get to the chopper now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> get to the chopper. Get down.
1: You have to prepare for the airlift from Pennsylvania to Texas.
0: Oh, yeah. Are you uh, Are you driving down or f- flying or what?
3: Uh, we drove down the first time to scout the area. We're never going
2: to teleport. No.
3: Yes, I was gonna uh actually uh one of high th- enough level he has that spell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're actually gonna fly, we're having everything shipped, we're not doing the drive thing again. I, wow, really? Yeah, you're fly just, down there. Yeah, oh, I was wow. I was gonna kill myself after that three day drive.
2: Jeez. Found the got the fly spell ready to go.
3: That's right. But as far as gaming, I've just been doing stuff here and there. I went to the local comic book shop I played in uh they were actually playing in an exalted game there, which I haven't seen in a while, so I sat in and played with them. Wow, that's done by White Wolf for all the people out there who don't know that game. And that's really a Matt. What about you? Uh,
1: my gaming group's still on sabbatical. Unfortunately, I think we will manage to this coming Sunday it, get a game in. Is
2: it a working sabbatical or? Oh
1: well, if between if we have a Sunday night Bears game, our GM is gone because he uh, must watch every Bears game.
2: The Bears,
1: the Bears. Then uh, the guy's house we normally play at. First, he was on on two weeks for a work trip. Then he went to Hawaii for two weeks.
2: Oh, how could he?
1: I know. We have gaming, damn it. I but, know. So... Bring your
2: friends along to Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> Come on.
1: Yeah, so we've been pretty, lo- not much gaming going on here. I am in the process of uh, reading the new uh, 20th anniversary Grimtooth Traps. And working hey, on a review for it.
2: I got the whole series. They're awesome.
1: Oh yes. With yes. the uh they actually added artwork to one of the traps oh, yeah. that was supposed to have artwork when it was first printed, but they lost it. Then over the course of twenty years when moving, they found the artwork in a desk. So for the twentieth anniversary edition. <laughs> Leave
2: it the flying buffalo. <laughs> yes. To, to to do something like that.
1: Yeah. So they Wow,
2: twenty years now?
1: Twenty years. It's been twenty years of Grim Tooth.
2: Ooh wow, that's crazy. I, I remember when the first more one came out. More than 20 years of Grim Tooth. Tr- uh, oh. More like 25, 30 years.
1: Let's I see. think. No, uh, the first one came out in, uh, oh, maybe let's see, yeah, the 30th. Maybe it's the 30th anniversary. I think it's more like the, the 30th. 30th. Yeah, the 30th yeah. because it was 81. So I that'd know. be 30. I'm old
2: I and I remember it. them. <laughs> yeah,
0: I would have preferred if you just said 20, now you went to 30. Thanks. Yeah, I really
2: sorry. Like, it, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're we some of us are chronologically challenged. Yes, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, so I was a mere three when that book came out, so wow. <clears throat> you
2: gotta whip your God, Get off <laughs> my lawn and get in the damn dungeon. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. But they they digitally remastered all the artwork and added some detail where things wasn't clear. It's definitely worth a look.
3: Cool. Yeah. Oh yes, that's right. Now I was talking about on the forums. I found that um. That module AC3, the uh, 3D module. What was it? Cap- Midnight at Dagger's Alley. No, it was Kidnap of the Princess. Oh, hmm. uh, I have written down right here. Let me just look through my notes, real quick here. Uh, 3D Dragon Tiles. Uh, it was called AC3. It was missing the kidnapping of Princess Arena. Arena? Are- 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 huh? Yeah, A R E Arena. Are- Are- I don't know. Whatever. Familiar, I bought it at yeah. the store. It was like a couple bucks. I bought it for, and I was like, "Yeah," because all the punch outs were in it. It wasn't punched out at all. It was perfect mm. condition. I got home. It was missing the the adventure. Don't. <laughs> That's
2: why it's so <laughs> cheap.
3: So I looked it up. On, I looked it up online. It says it says new price two hundred dollars. Used one hundred. Oh well. <laughs> so my heart dropped, and I went, oh. But I went back to the store, and there it was, right on the shelf. And dun, dun, dun. what was lucky about it, the, the shop keeps like? I yeah, just take it.
0: Wow. Well, they had no choice but to give it to you. Yeah,
3: yeah. Well, he could have charged extra.
2: Right now, now what, there's what, are that shopkeeper
3: listening, and he's like, "I could have sold it for two hundred dollars." Yeah. So now, so I, are you, you, you going to use it or are you going to sell it? I will sell it if someone wants to buy it. It's a perfect condition. It's, wow! None of the things are punched out. It's a collectible. I, I, without the TSR wrapping on it, we'll say that.
0: Yeah, see what I do is I shrink wrap that bad boy and get it get it offloaded on eBay.
3: I saw a couple on eBay and they weren't selling for half the, the price. so And no one was buying them.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So I'll just hold on to it as a collectible item unless someone wants to buy it.
0: Well, just like the rule cyclopedia on that one site in the forum that the the one guy you know popped up the link there, and they're selling brand new you know rule cyclopedias for two hundred fifty dollars, and I'm thinking like, okay, you are keeping that bad boy? Oh,
3: yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. two hundred fifty clams. Uh, forget yeah.
3: it. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so uh, that's what we've been up to. So let's head over to. Uh, we have a special thing going on for two 2000- thousand. Yeah, I was gonna say, don't you have a kind of an
2: announcement to make?
3: Yeah, and uh, what we're going to do for this, since this is the end of 2011, we have nothing written for 2012 because, well, I'm busy doing stuff and Nick doesn't do any writing for the show because he's too busy being Nick. Hey, <laughs> I get my input. And uh, Matt is busy producing the show, so we can't really have him do all the writing. So I've been the writer for the, pretty much the beginning. So what we decided is in 2012, for the first couple of shows, we're going to let you fans write the shows for us. Everyone's written in, and you know you've written in saying, why don't you talk about this, or why can't you talk about that? And that's the exact voice you call in with. Yes, I know. (laughs) (laughs) So Basically, you go to the osrgaming.org forums, and under the rule for initiative uh, forum, uh, Matt will put up the link in the show notes, it's the contest rules. Basically, we want you to write out the show for us. We listed all the segments that we normally have, like table manners, game mechanics, the creature feature, the dragon sword, the 10-foot pole. And then we gave an example of how a typical bare-bones show would be. So all you have to do is pop in the ideas, where it's from, like from the player's handbook, what page, if it's from the DMG, if it's from a special uh, adventure module that you know of. Because we have the resources, we'll find it, we'll do it, we'll assign the people to the task, and we'll talk about it if we like your notes. If we pick your notes, you'll be announced on the air this is a show based on this person's design. And uh, they'll be credited for it, and we'll give them a special prize. So far, the special prize is a limited edition Osric Players Digest-sized edition. For f- everybody go it's only a couple made <laughs> <laughs> before it was ripped off the market <laughs> <laughs> and you too can have one copy in your hands plus uh, as time gets closer to 2012 there will be some more prizes handed out for first place that's just one of the prizes for first place we have a whole bunch of stuff that we have to go through but I just wanted to give you guys a little teaser of what you might get So any comments, guys?
1: Well, if you ever wanted to hear us talk about 4th Edition, now is your chance.
2: Wrong. Wrong. (laughs) Uh, Yes, again. What has he won? Nothing.
3: (laughs) I'm putting a stipulation in now. (laughs) It has to pertain to 1st Edition AD&D, please. Thank you very much. Exactly. Any other comments, guys?
2: I like it. I can't wait to see what I've already looked at the forums and uh already got some pretty good ideas going there. So Yeah. Very, yep, very cool. For,
0: that's awesome. I'm looking forward to getting rid of some of all the stuff. So we'll that get this here.
2: out and over people over your, your holiday break, you know, uh if you have one. Yeah. Got so, plenty of time to think about it.
3: You have plenty of time. We we won't be starting we'll be on hiatus after this show when Matt puts it out, so we will probably be out so January sometime, probably the first or second week. Mm. And then we'll be back. Everyone will have the holidays and dance and sing. And we'll be drunk. back guns blazing. Yep. So uh, we have no sage of ice tonight, so we'll head into our first segment of the night of uh, the Table Manners. Yeah, I remember back in the day. A fella knew how to judge a fireball on the fly, and how far the cleric could push the undead he turned. I tell you, with all these min-maxers and munchkins, metagame and power game, there's something missing that I'm here to learn ya. Now sit down and crack your book while I commence to teach ya some...
0: Table man. Okay, this week on Table Manners, we are going to discuss The Bard. And I know that uh, a couple of people in the forum have been asking about The Bard. Mm-hmm. So uh, I had to do some research because, one, I was not a really big fan of The Bard, you know, back in first edition. So, But The Bard made its first appearance in the Strategic Review, Volume 2, Number 1. There was no bard character in the in the in the basic game per se, uh, basic expert and, and so on. So from there on, it went straight to first edition. That's where the bard actually made its its true appearance. For those that don't know anything about bards, uh, there was a lot of restrictions to the bard. And it's funny during my research that I, I was I was looking at this and in all. Understanding this pretty much is a prestige kit from like, you know, 3.0, 3.5, because you had to meet, you know, some requirements in order to Mm -hmm. actually be the class. And I believe the bard is the only one that can do that. So correct me, guys, if I'm wrong. I believe the bard was the only one that could do this.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: So first off, let's talk about what the bard is all about. One, you have to be a human or a half elf. I mean, that right there
2: was restrictive, right? there. humans and Mm -hmm. half elves only. Right.
3: I didn't understand why they put that restriction on, though.
2: Yeah, and also for the half elf thing, there's another thing I'm sure uh, Will's going to bring up that kind of confused me. But yeah, go. no, no, go. Ahead. What was that? Please. It's well. It kind of goes into the 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 requirements that oh. you speak of.
0: Yes, here we go. Yeah, that's. I'm glad you brought that up. This is when we talk about the prerequisites to be a boss. Right, right. Strength, you need a 15 or better. Wisdom, you need a 15 or better. Dexterity, you need a 15 or better. Charisma, you need a 15 or better. Intelligence had to be a 12 or better. And constitution, of all things, was a 10 or better.
2: So basically, what, five out of the six ability scores, you have to get those? (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Good luck. <laughs> yeah, when, when looking at the prerequisites, I'm like, someone really didn't want anyone ever playing a bard.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that was kind of odd when I looked at that. I said, uh, I mean, there had to be some type of different character generation. Or just like you said, the bard was practically almost impossible, which it, it indeed made it one of the most rarest of all character uh, you know,
2: playable Right. And it Perfect. even says at the beginning this one's an option, that's why it's in the appendix of the book, right after Psionics, ironically enough.
3: Right. Uh, so the- <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember the bard class being all that great to begin with, even if you did qualify. It's a
2: hard them. one to do. Yeah. It yeah. really is. Yeah. Hard, uh but I'm sorry. Well go ahead and continue with your, your no. uh expose on the bard. <laughs> well the start The on, Bard exposed. <laughs> <laughs> exposed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> So in order,
2: that's to... why they have to have a high charisma because
0: they're exposing themselves. Yeah, well, almost to that extent. But let me start this. In order, to... before the character can be actually called a bard, he has to start off as a fighter.
2: Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Uh, and, and the thing about the fighter part is, he starts off as a first level fighter, and he can go all the way up to eighth.
2: Yeah, I'm Was sorry, it like-
0: but before mm-hmm. eighth. At seventh eighth level, levels. he has, he has to so eighth. Yeah, before eighth. And then he must dual class to a thief. Now, I'm saying dual class, but if you play a human, humans do not multi class,
2: they dual class. Right. And this gets into my thing about, well, half elves don't dual class. Only there you do. go. It's mm-hmm. weird. So you picked just... up on that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So well, the huh. human. Yeah. That was qualified. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird
0: because then, you know, with half elves, then it's multi-class. But we'll start off with the dual class. Now. So from for a fighter, he goes from first level all the way up to eighth. He has to stop, and then he has to become a thief. Right. And then he can go all the way up to about the thief to fifth level, but before ninth level.
2: Right, so, so anywhere, between, yeah, anywhere between
0: five and nine. And then after he's You know, after the thief, then he dual classes or multi-class, and I bet there's three classes involved now, still considered human bard now, must dual class into a druid. The moment upon first level druid, he is actually officially called a bard. Right. And that's that's what it is. Now, during my research, I understand now when we're talking about different editions from 1st Edition to 2nd Edition to 3rd Edition to 4th Edition, there were some big differences there on what the Bard's background is. So with 1st Edition Bard, it was more based on a Druid perspective, background.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I
0: believe in 3.5... It was more based on a thief background and yeah. back and forth edition. It went back into the druid perspective. If you, if you get, back I through.
2: would even argue in second edition, it's, it became more thief like because yeah. they made it a subclass of the thief. Did they not? Yeah, it had. Yeah, I think they did. I have it, to take a look. I yeah. didn't really research too much into it.
1: Yeah, in two E, that is
2: beyond the scope of this
0: particular podcast.
1: Right, we will <laughs> leave that to Thacko's hammer.
0: Yes, that yeah, goes and, handle that. And, and the <laughs> thing about it is they had the handbook for bards, so it, you know it, it, it could it could have varied out. You know, could yeah. have been a I'm
2: pretty sure that when second edition came along, the bard came back as its own class as a subclass of the thief.
1: Yeah, it was a right. subclass of the thief, and its uh, spells were actually wizard.
2: Right. Right. right, not, right. Exactly. not Druid.
1: Right so they Maybe they, even, yeah. Yeah. they were basically little uh, dabbling prestidigitators
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah exactly So I mean this is like like y'all said this is a very difficult character class to work on yeah. you know because the thing that you, the thing about the bard is like this, though. How does wh- – what is a bard used for? And, you know, the question is how can I play a bard, you know, better? Well, if my, I'll tell you right now. If I was playing a bard, I would play the bard to be a fighter. So you want to try to obtain the highest level possible to fighter before you become a thief.
2: Right, right, because from and then be on – Yeah, because yeah, yeah, from then on, I think in the rules it says – when they go into combat, they fight at the highest level they attained as fighter
0: that is correct, and if they and when they start doing their thieving skills, they go with the highest level they obtained as a thief, yeah, and then of course they have their own spell table as far as the druid spells and all that stuff is right,
2: right. they're kind of like a Swiss army knife oh yeah, yeah. okay I mean if but, you want to think about it, they could fight, they can do thieving, they can throw a little spells, you know whatever whatever trips your trigger, but yeah. it's so and, darn hard to, to deal with I mean. I can't I don't think I ever known anybody in my playing days who ever played straight through as trying to become a bard, their character like, I'm a first level fighter and someday I'm gonna make eighth <laughs> level and then I'm gonna dual class over to thief and I'm gonna make about eighth, ninth level, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna become a first level bard. <laughs>
0: yeah which is kind of funny how they work this out and everything so you know i mean but that's one high-powered you know first level character once you become a first level Well, that's
2: the thing all yeah all their experience though from the previous time is like is all wiped out they started zero again
0: there you go and so like it says then when it's time for combat well uh i was a, a seventh level fighter which grants i believe it grants
2: the fighter what three attacks every two rounds am i correct yeah well no they still get to attack as a as the fighter of that level
0: yeah, well, seventh level is why you want to stop at seventh. Well, so you right. You get the, the right. three
2: attacks every two You Get rounds. the three for two, yeah. yeah.
0: but if you stop at six, it's still one attack around.
2: I just can't imagine. There has to be, like, exact situations otherwise to actually partake of the bard's really cool abilities, you know? I mean. Well,
0: yeah. I mean, like, like for example. I looked at uh, where the the bard could be found at in other, you know, first edition supplements and of course you can find the bard in the Best of Dragon Volume 1 and Volume 3. Yep. Dragon Magazine number 56 I think is the most important magazine to get if you really want to play a bard to its full potential because it's like three or four articles in there that cover bards.
2: Yeah, and they have that and they have one of them featured in Best of Dragon Volume 3 which I have right in front of me here. That's the that's the class version. That I use for my game. I don't use the one on the Player's Handbook.
0: No, explain. Yeah, what, what did they say about that one in Volume Three? What did well, they This one
2: that? in Investor Dragon Volume Three, and it's one one of those what four that were in that issue of Dragon from December of eighty-one, issue fifty-six. Mm-hmm. Okay, and this one is written by Jeffrey Goltz, and right. this one is it's its own class. Uh, the minimum ability scores are different. Minimum strength of 9, intelligence 15, wisdom 12, con of 6, dex of 16, charisma 15. Still not too bad, but in this one also it says races, human, elven, half-elven, could be unlimited level, halfling right. or dwarves may be up to the 5th level, and half-orcs and gnomes cannot be bards. Um, different alignment than the other bards. I, I could go into... Too. But the big thing about this one compared to the other one is it's its own class. You start as a first level bard, you don't go through the whole fighter and a thief thing. So,
0: yeah, see, that's good. That's a good option right there for those that want to go straight into being a bard instead of having to go through the whole right. first through eighth level, then, you know, fifth level, ninth level thief, then, you know, going back into druid. Now, you did bring up alignment, first edition bards yeah. by the book. They must remain neutral in alignment. And that, of course, includes any of the neutral axis ones like lawful neutral, chaotic neutral, neutral evil, and neutral
2: good. I can't imagine a chaotic neutral bard. That's just... A neutral evil one to me. I'm looking at, it like, are you kidding me? Yeah, I know. Neutral yeah. evil, like, yeah, I don't what know. What kind of
0: songs are you singing there? I'm thinking Black Sabbath or something crazy.
2: Yeah. <laughs> They're you singing know? Death Battle. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's just amazing. Neutral
2: will probably be seeing something like something from Primus. I don't know. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Crinkle. How are you today? Oh, I just can't even imagine. But
0: yes, one thing good that we're going back now on their alignment and you know their 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 singing ability. Again, I I, I revert back to Dragon Fifty Six where you know there's an article called Songs of Spells. Yeah. And there's some great articles in there. You know, singing a new tune. I believe they covered gypsies in that in that article too as well. You know, well there's like three four articles and one of them covered on gypsies, which is like a form of a bard. Yeah. And and but I think also it was to read. Oh, what is that question and answer form that they have in there? What was it called again? From the, uh, What was it again? From it, the, it had the Yeah, whatever the one had the questions and, and answer form. them. And sage, they, it was the, called sage advice. Sage advice. There you go. There
2: you go. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, don't it's start saying
0: Y'all are not bards.
2: Oh, sorry.
0: But,
1: <laughs> not quite that high of a level.
0: No, but there was a couple interesting questions there. Like, for example, it says you have to be a fighter. So one of the questions was, well, can I be a paladin? Since it says, can I be a fighter? And of course, the answer is no, you have to be a fighter. You can't be a subclass of fighter when you're pursuing to be a bard. Right. So, I mean, there was a couple of questions. questions, like four or five, you know, little questions there, but they're really important questions. I thought they were very, you know, pertinent to case of who wants to be a bard. And they was trying to stretch it, trying to pull more into it because they said, well, this seems kind of boring. But again, like I said, in, in all my years, 10, 11, 12, 13 years, 14 years of playing first edition, you know, D&D, I have never seen anyone play a bard or you know yeah. even try and take the path of a bard.
2: Yeah. And that's why I, I, I like the ideas of those people taking those the options that were offered like in Best of Dragon or whatever, I mean it's something a little bit more attainable. But there's right. just so much other stuff about the Bard that <laughs> in in retrospect now is like, wow, if you could play the Bard as first level out of the player's handbook, it's pretty darn powerful because now you have a walking legend lore spell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <Yep. laughs> For example. I mean it could I mean the bard can identify uh, magical armors, miscellaneous weapons, potions, rings, right on down the list. They have a certain percentage roll that they can make. Like, oh, don't need identify anymore. Don't need legend lore or whatever. I mean, there's, <laughs> I mean, there's yeah, one good use of of the bard. They can identify uh, most of your magic items within a uh, pretty good, uh, you know. Pretty good percentage score, I mean yep. you get up to about eighth or ninth level, you're talking twenty five thirty percent, so you know maybe one out of four times he's gonna identify that magic item. that's not too bad, and I think that's
0: awesome, you know, and I believe that the bard alone, you know with its with with its singing ability was truly the only supplemental character class that can complement the party in certain situations
2: right with that bonus
0: that is correct, yeah. Yep, so this, I mean, like I said, the Bard, good character class. I I think it's awesome. It's balanced. It takes some time to get to it and everything. It's a worthwhile endeavor. But truly, this is the first and only character class for first edition, which can actually be considered a prestige kit or, you know, or what what do you call them in second edition? That's what they call them,
3: right? Kits, just kits. Kits,
0: just kits. Well, it's a kit or a prestige kit. Because in order to be a bard, you have to meet certain prerequisites. And, you know, going through all those classes and being a certain level definitely, you know, qualified yeah. for such. Uh, I think it's a very hard character to roll up. I mean, if you're rolling 4d6, drop the lowest, not re rolling ones, this is probably the most difficult character to roll up. I believe a person could be a psionicist or be a
2: psionicidal character before they could become a bard any day.
1: What about a psionicist bard? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I oh, don't, now uh, you're now, now you're just min maxing and right. munchkin. It all. Yeah, right. they go. It's the first the kid in mind was a munchkin was yeah. munchkin running around for this. <laughs> I can you know, I can picture <laughs> someone doing that though. It's like I'm just gonna play everything out of the appendix of the player's handbook. <laughs> the is bard. I'm gonna blow my frickin' DM's mind. <laughs> right, well, four, I will
1: sing my song straight into their minds. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well you know surprisingly you said that because with these scores and i believe it's intelligence charisma and wisdom that gives you those added bonuses to be you know to see, find out if you're a sonic endowed creature yeah. or a character class so he definitely would have a better chance of being a sonic endowed character class but thankfully it didn't work out like that so definitely if if i don't know like i said in all my 13 14 years of first edition anD i've never known anyone to actually do a bard
2: neither have i no not and in just, first Mm-hmm. Yeah, not in first edition.
1: Second and edition, that's, that's different. Second edition, sure, because oh, they yeah. made it more accessible. Right, yeah. but yeah, in first, I've never seen anyone actually try, even try for it.
2: But if anybody wants to play the part, if not the one in the player's handbook, you know, do you know, check out that issue of Dragon that will. Talked about issue number 56, or at least if you can get a hold of The Best Best of Dragon Volume 3, and it has one of those examples out of there, out of that issue. And, um, you know, it's a nice option. It's making the bard a little bit more accessible as far as it it just easier to become a bard because now you're not going through that whole, you know, jumping through hoops. You start out as a bard right off from the get-go. So, yeah.
0: so, I don't know who wants it. If you want the challenge, then go ahead and start a first level fighter and work yourself up to seventh and then become a thief. It just, and then it's amazing how it works with the
2: armor and then it works yeah. with the combat. And it just, well, and also now uh, you got to nice. use for all those other magic items in the miscellaneous magic table, like drums of panic. Yeah. <laughs> oh, exactly. Or in yeah. they yeah. actually, <laughs> you know, the, the, when the bar gets them in his hands, he's like, all right, let's rock the house.
0: Well, see, then you can give him one of those artifacts. What was that big giant organ? Oh,
3: (laughs) I
1: loved using that organ. I can't remember what it is.
0: I can't remember either right now for the the top of, you know, top of the life of me, right? I just can't think right now. I can't think. But I think that's just awesome how that works out. Also, you know, when I brought up that question and answer portion of that Dragon magazine, there was a real interesting question on it. What about other items that affect, for example, like – you know, like books and tomes and, and, and certain other things that affect certain classes. How will it affect a bard who has levels, who has multi-class or dual-class? So there's a lot of interesting questions there, and they answer it to the best of their ability. Some people may like the answer. Some people may not like the answer. But the fact is that once you move on to that next class, there certain things you can't use anymore.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah. It was
1: Steward's yeah. mystical organ.
0: That was what it was.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, and right below that in the artifacts is Horn of Change. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, it was just a thought, you know. I wouldn't want no bard to run into an organ like that. That would be definitely detrimental oh. to the bard,
2: I suspect. I don't know a bard with a horn of blasting would be awesome. Yeah, fifty percent greater damage. Yeah, <laughs> hello, you. You're on my team. <laughs> <laughs> hello, hello. Oh, and, um, one of the things—it's not in the bard. As written in the player's handbook, but it's in the bard that was written up for that dragon article. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Horn of Valhalla. Valhalla. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, which is pretty cool because it summons fighters from Valhalla, the fight for you. In the hands of the bard, according to the one article, the the alternate bard doubles the amount of summoned fighters. Ouch. (laughs) Nice. Doesn't mean summon berserkers, right? Uh, I think it's just fighters <laughs> Okay That's awesome Yeah, oh yeah so.
0: But so, with all that said and everything That is the Bard in a nutshell and, and like I say, with all other character classes I have discussed, a character class is only as good As the player who plays it Yep,
3: <clears throat> correct Bless you Thank you
0: You think I'm mad Perhaps I am. What are you, a wizard, a genius? Darn, a perfectly good brain wasted. Game Game Mechanics.
2: All right, now, next here in Game Mechanics, actually a pretty good uh, segue into this. We're talking about rolling up ability scores for the Bard, right?
0: Mm -hmm. Well,
2: let's talk about how to generate ability scores for characters in first edition AD&D. There's a couple places you can look, and right now I'll just talk about... uh, the uh, Dungeon Master's Guide, uh, where it listed on page 11. And there's – you start off with four different methods of you could generate ability scores for your player characters. I found this interesting because after reading through again, it's funny how sometimes you just, like, take things for granted or you just forget about them. Well, uh, these four different methods are the ones that are recommended for, uh, for the use in the game. And I'm not talking about straight 3d6 right down the line where a lot of, I I think a lot of people in the old school renaissance movement just kind of assumed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like, yeah, method one where you roll 4d6 and discard the lowest. And they're arranged in order as the player desires. You got method two, 3d6 rolled 12 times and highest six scores are retained. It's almost like method one, just a little more a uh, little more to it. Method three, here's where it gets really complicated.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Scores rolled as according to each ability category, strength, intelligent, wisdom, right down the line. 3D6 rolled six times for each ability and take the highest. Mm. And then you have method four. And you have 3D6 rolled to generate six ability scores in order for 12 characters. So yep. those are the four methods out of the player's handbook, and then there's unearth arcana, <laughs> method five. Yes, I brought it up because it is a method. I know. Now I want. I, I there's a <laughs> bit of a caveat to this, okay? Method five in the unearth arcana is supposed to be used for human characters only. That is correct. So and there's a chart in Near Earth Arcana page seventy four and says number of dice rolled for each desired class. And it's only for humans, not for half elves, not for gnomes <laughs> or any other of the demi human races. <laughs> Still, I think right off the get go, looking eight dice to sh- Generate strength for a Cavalier is a little bit too much. <laughs> Chances of you getting an 18 are pretty darn high. Mm-hmm. With that being said, like, it, it's funny how, you know, you look back and like, oh, hmm, these are the recommended ways. And, and I think this shows the difference between advanced D&D and regular D&D. Advanced d and I think, was a bit more epic and a bit more heroic in its scope when you're talking about the ability scores, they were higher than average. That you are I mean, method one, no matter how you look at it, chances are you're going to get higher than average ability scores. You're going to be more than... It's going to be... Chances are 9 through 12, you're going to have more scores above that high end of the bell curve of 9 through 12, which the bell curve is on page 10 <laughs> of yep. the pmg So... You know we all we all know these different methods that are listed here um the question i put out to you guys and i'll kind of start this off is is there a particular method that you use your own method of rolling ability scores or do you use one of these or you use straight 3d6 right down the line me i use in my campaign i use 3d6 reroll ones and twos
1: that's actually what i use (laughs)
2: That's what I've been doing, and you generally get scores. Uh, Lowest will be 9, but the highest will be 18. It's still not too bad. I mean, you still – I mean, you want to – who really wants to play a character with an ability score of of 3 somewhere? I mean, honestly.
1: Well, (laughs) I did have a Robotech game where we we actually used the uh, method 2 for generating uh, our ability scores, and – one of the guys. All of his numbers were great, except one was a three.
2: Oh, really? And yeah. what was what ability?
1: Uh, physical beauty. So comeliness. It was a wow. dump stat.
2: Wow, he made baby Jesus cry. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> actually
1: even made it into the part of the story where he he was a part of like a, a spaceship that had crashed, and during the crash, his face was just horribly mangled, and he had to walk around with like an iron mask. <laughs> oh, was so weird. deformed. So we, oh, we okay. so just because you have bad scores, you can make a story of it and have fun with it. So it's not, it's only crippling if you're all solely focused on mechanics and not story.
2: Right. Yep. Exactly. And I think in, that's the probably one ability where you could probably get away with something like that, like having like a three for your constitution um that's where you're like giving hit points back i think yeah you know <laughs> uh, it's like uh you know, let's look up constitution in the player's handbook a three con yeah hit point adjustment minus two <laughs> hmm. that would stink if you were a magic user with a three con
3: yeah <laughs> so you yep. your method of rolling was to roll and re-roll the ones and twos i believe you said
2: yeah i do 3d6 re-roll ones and twos and i have them arrange it as they like what about you will what do you do
0: Uh, If I was playing first edition Mm D&D, and I rolled as such, method three is what I would use. That's a good
2: method. And
0: let me tell you how I do it. In in, in the retrospect, this is how I would do it. I would have them give a piece of paper, and then I would have them do is roll 3D6. Okay? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to make them do it in six rows of six. There you go. Once they're done, they're going to choose which row they want. And they Ah, just go ah, in ah. that order. Strength. Intelligence, Wisdom, Dexterity, con, and Charisma. That's what okay. I would do. I oh, would interesting. use number three. Now, I would also say that if I was running first edition, and depending on the group, if I could trust if they're experienced players, if if somebody really, really wanted to be a paladin, if someone really, really wanted to be a certain character, I mean, let's, let's face it. The chance of being a paladin using that system is slim to none. Regardless, you use 3D6. It's slim to none. So I'm going to let them use the uh, the method in the Unearthed Arcana, if they wanted to be a paladin, a cavalier, or what have you.
2: Yeah, if if they were a human, that's I think that's why method five was there in Unearthed Arcana. By chance. Do you have the Unearthed Arcana available right now? Yeah, it's right in front of me. What does it say for a bard? Does it have bard in there? Uh, for bard? I don't yes. believe so, because bard is right. not its own class. So
0: this is my question, then. If someone wanted to do the bard, you see how where I'm coming from now,
2: and you're mm-hmm. Oh, I see. If you wanted to be the bard and use method five, oh, yeah. And, and chances know. are you're going to do it. Yep. Because for fighter, under method five, number of dice for strength is nine. Right. But this is where it kind of drops off. Because what's the minimum ability intelligence for a bard is 15, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I believe it was 12 for. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm intel- no, it's 12 or better for the uh, first edition bard.
2: Well, Intelligence, you need three dice, (laughs) Wisdom, five dice, Dex, seven dice, Con, eight dice, Charisma, six dice, Calmliness, four dice. So it's better in most cases, except it's a straight 3D6 roll for the Intelligence, and you're going to have to hope for the best.
0: I would suspect that in a case like this, then I believe that the DM would have to modify it so that it gives a person a better chance of getting those minimum minimum requirement scores for a bar. Just a thought, just a thought, yeah. since we brought yeah. it up. Yeah. Okay. I'm surprised they never mentioned that and used that in the or Canna. I don't know what they was thinking about. What about someone who wants to play a bard? How would this this method of generation,
2: you know, of, of prerequisites, you know, make a difference? And it does. Yeah what about you vince do you use a particular method in rolling
3: uh yeah i'm honestly i use the 46 drop the lowest one that's usually what i standardly go with but uh-huh if i'm lacking players and i really want to play i had I'm not invented but i just on my own thoughts i'm sure other people have too but taking a base eight and rolling a d10 and that's stat. Oh, that okay. or if interesting I'm, if I want to play a really powered game that I know the players are not going to really survive, say that I'm putting them through, like, a big Ravenloft or (laughs) or the Tomb of Horrors, for example, I would do uh, start with 10 and roll a D8. Ah, okay. That That would make sense.
2: Yeah, you're going to do something epic that high level and right off the bat, yeah. I can understand that.
3: Not campaign characters.
2: Yeah, but just, like, a one-off... Yeah. let's do this
3: one-off. Let's play this module, and there's only three guys, and we really want to play. All right, everybody starts with an eight roll a d10. Yeah, okay. I'm sure other people have thought of that, and I didn't think of that, but I've not copied that from anyone. I could tell you.
2: No, hmm. it's all good.
3: So that's that. Hmm.
2: Yeah, I'm just trying to think if there's any other methods that I know, but that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. I I just I like the three d six we roll ones and twos. Yeah. That's why I'm kind of. I kind of like, but it's just like, in retrospect now. Like, but to kind of sum all this up, one of the things that I thought about in this, like, and I said this at the beginning, there's this kind of myth amongst the old school Renaissance, the OSR crowd, that's like it was 3d6 right down the line. You know, that's how we did it. That's how we rolled, man. That's kind of a myth. That only held if you played regular D and D, and even then when I played classic, that's how it was. Yeah. When you played classic, that's how it was. But when you got to advanced D and D, that's
3: where it diverged. Well that's because it's tournament rules, and tournament rules needs more options.
2: Well, yeah, if you use yeah, they were tournament rules, yeah. Oh.
3: I suppose. First edition was considered a tournament game. Remember? Uh well that's why it was called advanced. It was supposed to be a tournament-based system for people to play and be all serious about.
2: <laughs> oh, I suppose so. And
3: Classic was meant to be just the game you played at home, and then Advanced evolved into its own edition and slash game itself. So, but that was the original intention of Advanced. I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, well, all the uh, tournament modules were all first edition.
3: Yeah, yeah, that was the, the intention.
0: Uh, the thing that I wanted to comment real quick like was on Matt's comment about, you know, scores and everything. I believe you said something about the uh if you wanted to be a heroic campaign. Was that you Matt or was that you Nick?
2: I said yeah, be like more like a heroic campaign. Some of these oh, other okay. methods kinda of like fit into that.
0: That's what I think, so and that's what it all comes down to. About on the role of method, I mean, what kind of campaign is it going to be, uh, and what kind of characters? Me, honestly, I feel that characters in in, in, the, in the most part are going to be heroic characters. So I expect their scores to be more than a you know, more than above average, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15. I think that's where they need to be at. That, that's yeah. I go system that's going to apply. And just, you know, just to get off just a little bit of the subject on, like when I do my Pathfinder games, I make the, the players roll a, a 4d6, drop the lowest. They're going to roll that 36 times so you're gonna have six rows of six unlike method three that i use but here they roll four d6 drop the lowest and regardless of that if if you i don't know i guess it just depends i mean like i said it's the way the dice works sometimes i guess most of the time i have one person with 118 at the most i've never seen a character you know have more than one or two 18s at the most using that method Right. Again, characters are heroic. They're supposed to be. That's why they adventure. Why would a lame old character of three, 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 three and all stats, you know, go out and be an adventurer? You know, that no that's sense. That's
2: just, that's a very unlucky day for you, <laughs> yeah. making up those stats, I tell you. But, no, it, it, yeah, but there's sometimes, though, I can even think of, like, characters that I played where they had, like, one stat was just, like, really cruddy, like a six. But they were <laughs> a real fun, they're a real fun character to play because you, I th- I think some of us, at least I do, mm-hmm. have a tendency to maybe play up that that weak ability mm-hmm. a bit as a good role playing um, uh, uh, something good to role play in itself. <laughs> right. Like how many of us have had played the fighter where they had like an intelligence of five or six, and you play them oh. as the dumb fighter, and right. you know what? It's at times you know what? It's kind of fun. <laughs> It's kind of fun to play that like you were talking about like the uh Matt that that character from Robotech. Yeah, I think he had where they had the, the charisma of three. Yeah. That's a grill great, great role playing uh uh situation right. there. Well,
0: of they course. That's, the, that's the that's right. the guy you
2: send in to do all the diplomacy stuff and right. everything. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. We we huh, even I had him in. as his mask is on, we're good.
1: Right. We even <laughs> had him roll his pre injury physical beauty and role played out the accident that caused it.
2: Oh boy. Nice.
1: So.
2: <laughs> All right. So let's uh hear from everybody out there uh what you use for ability score rolls do you use I use 3d6 right down the line and that's how we roll or <laughs> do you use one of the other various methods listed or do you use your uh, own method you can uh you know, get a hold of us on osrgaming.org, on the uh, Roll for Initiative forums there. Or um, you can email us, which I try to remember and I don't remember. Come on, Nick. You did great the last three times. I know, because I'm looking up on our website, and it should be listed right there.
3: <laughs> uh, uh-huh. <laughs> staff at gmail at com,
2: Or you could call the hotline. Hotline! 570 865
3: 42.10. The rover for initiative. Spoilers. Oh,
2: we know how to spoilers
3: <laughs> We'll tell you who the wrestling champ of the week. Oh, sorry. Okay. No, wrong, wrong show. Remember those hotlines, Matt? Oh,
1: yes, I remember those. Those for like a minute would make so much money. Okay, tangent
3: I... offside. Oh, come on. It's a thing of the past. You have to remember paying that. 25 cent to hear the wrestling weekly update. I
1: never called.
3: I wasn't that much of a sucker.
1: Never called one.
3: I called one. Oh. Coach oh. Curtis's wrestling hotline is the call. Oh my gosh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's uh, move on to uh, creature feature. That is not that dead. Is not can eternal can
3: eternal can eternal and with strange, strange, strange and death may die. die. I welcome the unwary to the Creature Feature Theater. The Creature Feature Theater of the Week is coming from the Monster Manual 2 for Base 117. Yeah, my accent's all over the place. <laughs> it's the Tahir. That's how I pronounce it. Anyone have a different pronunciation? T- 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 what? Or is it Tear. Tear. I put Tahir. Okay. Well, it could be tear. Whatever. Yes. Basically, these are cavemen in a nutshell. They live in the cold mountainous regions. They They're live in caves. The one thing I love about it is they smell so bad. They smell as bad as that guy on the corner that you see sleeping all the time. You have to actually make a save when you go near him. Otherwise, you vomit and become deathly ill from his stank. You're going to stand there yelling at your shoes. Oh! And you get penalized for two to five hours because of this stage.
2: Two to five hours? Oh, my
3: God, you're right. It says <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. With a negative two hit probability and negative one damage because he smells so bad you can't function. He
2: so, smells worse
3: than the monkey house at the zoo. Oof. Tell ya. But basically they are just cavemen. They're just dopey guy, little filler monsters. I think they could become a nuisance for players if you play them just right in oh, yeah. the game. You can have these creatures. The way they look, they look very threatening, but they're not. They're just neutral monsters looking to hunt food. Well, then you are food. <laughs> well, yeah, you could be food to them.
2: Yeah. Yeah, They've
3: tasted the blood of human flesh. Oh, <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, they're just very territorial, and uh, they just kinda of want to be left to themselves and evil of adventures go trouncing through their lands trying to get to their next adventure and they're just like, Why are you here? Or throw rocks at their head.
2: Well, here's <laughs> the thing though. Don't let them throw spears at you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, plus when they hit plus three to damage when they hurl spears at you. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh,
1: but you'd probably uh... rather them hurl spears at you than be next to you though,
3: because of the stench. Yeah. That's true. Uh, uh, I think that one of the only, there's very few classes in here that have this, but classes, I should, monsters that have a 3D, have a a hit dice of 3 plus something. Yeah. It's not only in this book, but this has a plus 6. Yeah. (laughs) What the heck is it? Why a plus 6? Why not? Maybe
2: because they said, well, we don't have a plus 6 anymore, so let's do that. Yeah.
3: they needed a plus six to stand next to this, the guy on the page next to it. You know, <laughs> yeah. they have a pretty good armor class of four. <laughs> right. It needed this, It needed that plus six to stand next to the Tarrasque on the next page here. <laughs> yeah. it, good point. And
2: it's got a pretty good movement. Movement of 18? That's, oh. yeah. that's fast. Yeah. Yeah, it's very quick.
1: Yeah, especially considering you will encounter them in like mountainous regions,
2: cold mountainous regions. And. I think Matt and I were discussing this not too long ago is the tear almost sounds like they took the actual legend of, of the actual Sasquatch legend mm-hmm. yeah. and transported it in the AD and D because uh, I'm kind of a fan of like crypto creatures. I learned a lot. Yeah. I, you know, I think kind of gamers kind of, it, this is a skunk game. skunk game. Yeah. You know, it kind of overlap there with, yeah. you know, like the, quote-unquote, real-world stuff, like cryptids and stuff like that. Yeah. And knowing my Bigfoot lore, if I remember correctly, many people who've encountered, like, a Bigfoot or something like that, there's, like, a terrible musky stench yep. around. Yeah. I I really thinking the tear is almost like a
3: Sasquatch. Yeah. In a it's not really that it, – well, it's only, what, six and a half feet tall. Right. So so it's
1: not quite Sasquatch size. It's I, I still think of it as more of, like, a skunk ape.
2: Yeah, like the Florida skunk ape. Yeah, like it's a,
1: that. yeah, it's the Florida skunk ape if you transported it to Alaska. Right.
2: right. My thing on this this monster
0: here, I mean, just looking at it and everything, definitely it's an organized monster because look how many you can run into at one time, mm-hmm. possibly run to 11 to 30. So definitely it, it fits that caveman profile. But I wouldn't be surprised if this monster is complementing a, a Yeti, Mm-hmm. I was
2: just thinking the same thing, Will.
0: You know, that this, this thing here would complement a Yeti really good. And I'll I tell you how I like this because, one, it's it inhabits the coldest mountain regions. I see two issues. Well, not two issues. I see two things how I can use this monster. One, you can be sent up to the mountains to try to acquire some of the secretion. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. As you can see, the secretion aids these creatures to withstand cold, even of the magical sort. This is a creature that you know that people can capture and use them to, you know, create certain potions or other types of things to protect them from magical breath weapons or what the case may be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I also see there that this creature typically collects polished teeth, horns, and crudely sculpted stone idols.
3: Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: So, this would be another good reason why to go up there and try and hunt these creatures down and everything because they might have a, a particular tooth you might need for some type of quest mm-hmm. or some type of idol that they acquired, which you need to, to, for whatever reason, purposes. But I love this creature, but like I yeah. said, I would use Yetis to complement this creature I, or vice versa.
2: I know. I was thinking the same thing. And it's like, I can imagine a couple of Yeti using these guys as like guards mm-hmm. in its lair or. Maybe they just work in conjunction or we could turn this on. It's uh, kind of that idea on its ear. Let's say uh, maybe the adventure party encounters these fellows, but somehow they don't get in combat with them. Maybe the tear looking for help, maybe the fight like, I don't know, yeah. or a more has. Mm, right. Maybe Oof. they need their help, Let's the see. adventuring party's
3: help or so something okay. like that. They're very low intelligence, so communication's gonna be rough. Right. That's hey, there but, you go. But if you had a bunch of teeth and, yeah,
1: if you had a bunch of teeth and horns you could give them the peace offering, they would understand that.
3: There you go. There yeah. you go. Well would you guys would you guys, since it's a low intelligence creature, allow them to communicate in neutral alignment?
0: Well, low intelligence is between five and seven. So we get that fighter that has a six intelligence and let him communicate with them. Yeah. There you go.
1: <laughs> yes, they they would just be have problems uh, expressing complex ideas, but they could right. give you the basic, we go over there, smash thing. They can tell you that. As oh, that's f-
0: what they speak? Yes.
2: They get I to the choppa. They, they
0: speak more like...
2: Duh, duh,
0: duh, duh,
2: duh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I would expect them almost sound like, you know, out of,
3: like, Quest for Fire. <laughs> 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 kind of look like Klingons from like. Yeah, you sounded like a Klingon there for a second. Yeah. <laughs> That's like <Conner's> like, con or
0: <laughs>
1: Yeah, when, when I first looked at this, I was actually thinking of the uh, apes from
3: the movie Congo.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, that film. Those anyway, bad boys were great.
3: So. so much fun with these creatures. If I had a really off day and want to be goofy, <laughs> I would change it around. So, that the stench was an actual attack. So, when these things came up, they lift up a leg and they farted, and this would be like their stench <laughs> attack. And like the green oh. mist cloud comes out. Yeah. It's like once every three rounds. It'd be so much fun. And then, more. if you or get like, hit with the oh, mist, it sucks.
1: sticks with you for like two days straight. So, everyone that you come in contact with has to make a save versus stench.
3: Oh, perfect. Perfect. Yeah, wow. the kids would be throwing rocks at you. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to mod this creature up. This would be an awesome creature to mod up. Nice. Yeah, I
0: don't know uh, where they came up with the creation. I guess they wanted to do something with a gas. There's ghasting too, don't they?
3: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so they
0: give off a stench attack, but it definitely doesn't last no two to five hours.
3: <laughs> so the Tarrasque... Oh, anyway, sorry, wrong. side. <laughs> <Oops. laughs> <laughs> yeah, good monster, though. I, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a cool little monster that has a lot of possibilities and a lot of things you can do with that you're just going to look at and go, meh, a caveman, who cares? But when you think about it, give a couple minutes, you are like, huh, I right. could do this, this, and this. Right.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah, and then all, and then I was just looking at this, okay, you're n- disoriented and nauseous for two to five hours. Think of where they live. Cold mountain region. So you're disoriented in, co- in the cold in the mountains. Oh,
2: where am I going? <laughs>
3: Anybody knows in the cold, dank areas of the mountains like that, any smell or thing like that really just stays right there. It
0: does. Look at the defense though—the special defense. It's immune to cold. Yeah.
3: They run around their undies, and you're in like these full. Wow. going. I'm gold. (laughs) That's just amazing.
0: And and see, I guess that includes magical sort of cold too, because that's the secretion.
3: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Wow, that's crazy.
3: This could be this could be a quest creature too. Find yeah. the creatures, kill them, get their secretion, and bring it back to the wizard. Yeah. Yeah. I would yeah. Well, all right. Well tell us what you think out there, folks. Is this boring little creature, or is he a creature of possibility? The tear or the tear, whatever you want to pronounce it. Fun little creature. Or if I at gmail.com and we'll head into our uh, last segment of the night.
0: As the secret portal yields to your efforts, you stand amazed at a vision from the most fevered dreams of Avarice. Before you lies the Dragon's Horde.
1: And now we are in the Dragon's Horde. And this time we've got a little shiny jewelry for you in the Dragon's Horde. The Reigning of Elemental Command. So it's actually four different rings. Depending on whether it be air, earth, fire, fire. or water.
3: (laughs) Earth, wind, and fire. Fire. I love that group. Yes. Is this the Captain Planet rings? Oh, Oh,
1: if only there was a heart ring.
2: Yeah. If you can find me uh, a heart ring shoot you.
1: <laughs> we could have Captain Planet and they have to go Captain out and Planet! <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Captain Cap Planet yes Captain Planet he's uh, our hero uh, he's gonna oh, no. take pollution down to zero he's our powers amplified
3: <laughs> <laughs> he, he, that song sung from the 80s or the 90s call Matt he has every lyric in his head <laughs> yeah.
1: yes after that that's when i stopped like watching all television yeah. so i have nothing current <laughs>
3: Matt,
2: yes, you just disgraced yourself. The whole podcast. Let's,
3: let's disgrace Matt a little bit further. Matt, how's the song "To Silver Spoons" go?
2: No, no. <laughs> I was gonna go
0: back a little further, like to Electra Woman and Dinah Girl.
2: Oh, oh no, that's far. Yeah. Anyway, Ring of Elemental. <laughs> <Command>. Yes,
1: Ring <laughs> of Elemental Command. It commands me to go back to my DMG page one twenty nine, and oh, these rings uh, give you a uh, control. Control over the four different elements, depending on what you get. Um, they they all possess certain properties that are similar. Uh, the first one is elementals of the plane to which the ring is attuned to you cannot get within five feet of you, For or feet attack, feet. Or, or attack the wearer. Or if the wearer desires, you can try to charm them instead. Yep. Yep. And then if the latter fails, however, the protection is lost. So it's like if you want to charm them, you have. To there is a risk your charm fails, at which point you lose all your protection. Then creatures other than normal elementals from the playing to which it's attuned to are minus one to their hit to their two hit die, and then the ring uh, wearer takes damage at minus one for e- each hit die, and makes a, uh, applicable saving throws at plus two. All attacks made by the wearer to are plus four to hit. And then the wearer does plus six damage. Uh, and it gets better. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and any weapon used by the wearer can hit elemental, yep. even non-magical. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so yeah, if you know you're going to a specific plane, you best find one of these rings. You It'll... got a
2: ring of elemental command, and it's the fire one? Let's go to the city of brass,
1: people. Yes, let's have some fun. <laughs> Watch everyone just cower just from your presence. like.
2: <laughs> oh. And then you...
1: But there is a catch. Because yes. the Possessor of the Ring, you also have some negatives. If you have the Air Ring, you're minus two versus fire. Earth, minus two versus petrification. Fire, minus two versus water or cold. And water is minus two versus lightning or electricity. So you get all this cool stuff, but... They're very situational, and you don't want to be wearing it in the ro- against the wrong foes. Then, there's also uh, only one power, major or minor of the ring, can be used at a time. And then they each ring has multiple powers. So, yeah. your air ring, you get gust of wind, fly, wall of force, control winds, invisibility... And the ring will appear to be nothing other than an invisible ring until certain conditions are met. So it's one of those that a DM can throw in, and they won't actually realize just how cool of an item they had until right.
2: Like you might have to like defeat an air elemental or a djinn to right. to reveal the power or something like that.
1: Right. So yeah, it's like the the ace in the hole they have that they don't even know, and then. Yeah. With
2: earth. Unless you have that bard you yeah. can identify it, and then,
1: you know. Right. You'd be like, oh, no, this is actually a ring. Ring of air. Oh, damn you, bard. Why did I allow anyone to any of my players to read the <laughs> appendix? See?
2: Yep. Uh,
1: then earth, you get stone tell, passwall, wall, of stone, stone to flesh, move it's earth, still- and Feather fall. so, yeah, if you want to go
3: up against the Medusa... Stone, man. Yeah, yeah man.
1: Stone. It's yeah, Totally baked. Yeah. It'd be great for that Medusa lair, though. Yeah. Yeah, go there. Okay, guys. You're all now flesh again. We're taking out Medusa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. The fire one is best. Oh, yeah. You get Burning Hands, Pyrotechnics, Wall of Fire, flame strike, and Fire Resistance. And then the ring will appear nothing other than a ring of fire resistance, so the players will be wearing that anyway until they trigger it and all of a sudden they're just shooting out flames. Yeah. And then our last one is the water, in which you get purify water, create water, water breathing, wall of ice, airy water, lower water, part water, and water walking. And the ring is will appear to be nothing other than a ring of water walking, which could easily be tossed in someone's pouch until you need to cross a lake.
3: <laughs> you can make this into a totally, really cool, like, infinity gauntlet-type uh, <laughs> artifact. Put them all yeah. together on one gauntlet and make them, like, work and function. Oh, yeah. Look at the possibilities with that item.
1: Right. And then you still have that one extra digit for that heart ring.
3: Oh god, don't don't you no. Summon Captain <laughs> What Captain oh, Planet. Uh. What about Captain Caveman? What a <laughs> dork.
1: When we start discussing magical clubs, we'll talk Captain Caveman.
3: Captain Caveman. Oh, sorry. Yes. We're done. <laughs> uh, and
1: in all these spells, they actually operate at the 12th level of experience or the minimum level needed to to perform the spell, so yeah. all of these spells are going to be rather powerful when you do pull them off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and and the powers only take five segments to use. Oh wow! Yeah.
3: Yeah. Pretty fast. I didn't right.
1: realize that. Yeah, it's the last line in the description.
3: I'll figure. Because I didn't read the whole entire description when I was reading it. I'm like, oh, I remember this.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. All so right.
3: I, yeah, you were mentioning that you can make each of these like kind of a quest item.
2: Hey, yeah. Right. Hey, you know, you have to find all four rings to maybe unlock something, or yeah. that's oh,
3: Captain Planet.
2: You do Captain <laughs> Planet one more time. I'm gonna flame strike you,
3: Matt. We we need to make up that fifth ring.
2: Yes, we do. Oh, we so need so that fifth ring
3: right now. So help me. Oh that's our, that's our mission before the next show right well, make up the fifth ring of Elemental Command' so we can have the Captain Planet collection <laughs> yes just, just to annoy Nick, we'll do that right uh, and I'm sure I disbelieve
2: I disbelieve
3: and I'm sure our fans out there will help us along with that as well oh, so,
2: they're kind of going with that whacked out idea, maybe there's other types like uh for the para elemental planes, smoke you know. Yeah, smoke <laughs> ring. Aha, uh-huh. I got it. Yeah, funny. Grimshot. <laughs> <laughs> <God. laughs> the smoke ring. Smoke <laughs> ring. The ring of ooze, magma, uh, liquid ring. magma.
3: Ooh, or the quasi
2: <laughs> element of the rings, magma, like a a ring of lightning control.
3: A ring of semi lightning control.
2: Isn't that one of the quasi-elemental planes is uh, lightning? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I yeah. think
0: it is. Yeah, that's what fiend Folio, right?
2: Oh.
3: Yeah, I don't
0: yeah, fiend
1: that's folio what, with yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, that's where they started introducing, like, the smoke monster. Well, I
2: remember the para-elemental planes are what? Ooze, smoke, magma, and ice? Yeah.
1: I not remember. Yeah, I think that's the yes, I don't have
0: a fiend Folio with me.
2: Because you have the para-elemental princes of evil. Yeah, uh, folio. But uh, yeah. yeah, maybe you have rings for those different planes. I don't know. You could make something like right. that.
1: Or but- if you wanted uh, your group to ha- have them, reason they have to go to all four planes. So that first they have to get the ring, go to and go to the, the plane and accomplish something, and then they have to remember: don't wear the inappropriate ring in the wrong plane.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: You yeah, know that's that would... really that's a really good idea. That's a great idea for a, for a campaign. You know, I might actually use that because right. this is a built-in quest item. I can see it.
3: Well, how do right. the rings look to you guys? You picture them just like a regular ring with an inscription on it, like a Green Lantern ring with like the symbol, the element on it. <laughs> yeah. Well, seriously, how do you guys picture that ring in your head? I'm
1: thinking they 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 all look like normal uh, like magic rings, uh, nothing special because I I think that's part of the. Well, in part of the description, they're just saying it resembles like a ring of fire resistance, a ring of feather fall, a ring of uh, invisibility. So I think they would just be that hidden uh, item that if you didn't cast identify or find the the rare mythical bar that doesn't exist.
2: And maybe once the item is kind of like – well, once you identify the item or somehow reveals itself through that special condition – I think some of the things they talk about is like maybe blessing the ring or you have to defeat an elemental of that same element or something like that. Maybe the ring actually physically transforms into another – into something else. Maybe like it turns into like a a, a ring that's kind of gold with a reddish tinge for the fire one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like
0: the uh, I like what you know Vince brought up though on those rings though. That even though it looks like an invisibility ring, I like the fact that if they found the ring, uh the the ring of water or well the, the ring of you know water control would can have like uh, uh an aquamarine. Mm-hmm. The uh, ring of fire would be the uh a fire garnet or something to that effect. I like that. They right. give it a clue yeah, to earth what it yeah. well,
2: earth would be probably like uh, I would I would think like uh um oh what's not, not, you have not to a... figure something out <laughs> yeah. on those. Yeah,
0: what
1: what what I was thinking is you could even the players think they just have some other generic magical ring that, as per described, but then they go into that shop to sell off the loot from the last dungeon they raided, and all of a sudden the merchant's like just sees the ring on their hand and is like and just offers them an insane amount of money for what it actually they think it is, just like just and they'll be like oh I'll, wow it's a lottery. And then <laughs> Or you're either that or like, wait a minute, why is he offering this so much for this ring? There's more to it.
2: Well, here's the idea that at least to give you the value of these rings. Mm-hmm. They are one of the three that are the highest value in the DMG. Right, right. Figured it's up there with multiple wishes and regeneration. Five thousand experience points. Ouch. Yeah.
0: Yeah, nice rings.
2: Yeah? Yeah. Yeah?
0: Yeah. Which ones would you all take? If you had the opportunity to get one of them, which one would you take?
3: Uh, Mm -hmm. Fire.
2: Yeah, probably.
3: Yeah. Yeah. For
1: just offensive purposes, fire. But for if I'm just looking to survive, purify water. The water one. Purify water, create water. Water, breathing wall of ice. Great if you're ever trouncing through a desert or feel the need to visit. Go into second edition and visit Alcadim. What what edition? The, you know that, that edition that uh, no one actually plays?
3: Oh, that's trying to, uh, <laughs> that's trying to be acknowledged, you mean? Yes. Oh my,
2: we're going to get some feedback from Thacko's Hammer on that one.
3: Mm. <laughs> I'm sure if a long game will come and yell at us for that one again. <laughs> I'm then I'll, they don't
1: I'll have to send them a picture of my first and second edition uh, RPG book shelves and realize how just how these second edition books overwhelm my first edition books. Yeah.
3: So I say that with love.
1: <laughs>
3: All right, folks. I guess that's pretty much going to put a wrap on the show for this week, for the last show of 2011 of the Role for Initiative podcast. And as I look back and reflect upon, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> we'll get Casey Kasem on you there. But uh, <laughs> as as I look, I just you know it kind of you know brings a little tear to my eye. That's two years of the show going on. Oh. This this December will mark two years of the show, because 2009 is when – uh, no, November is when I brought the idea up. 2009 is when Jason and I got together and brought the show on the air, mm-hmm. and then we uh, brought Nick in, and we've been that way ever since. And then Jason is now no longer with us for his own reasons, but the show still goes on. Yeah. And with the amount of material that we have and the amount of people listening, we can go on forever. And ever. And ever. Yes. And ever. <laughs> Like the Captain Planet.
2: Oh. <laughs> die, die, die!
3: <laughs> so we'll close out the show by saying uh, have a wonderful happy holidays, happy new year. We'll see you in 2012 and we look forward to seeing all your great ideas in the forums for the 2012 shows. Anyone have anything to say?
2: I will just they want to thank all of our listeners. Everybody that gives us feedback. And for as long as I've been doing it, I've been really enjoying the show. It just feels good to give back to the, uh, the the game and the community that has given me so much over the years so thanks everyone
3: yeah and we got a good we got a good good crew now so we're yeah. good to go yeah,
2: yeah.
3: so I'll uh, keep it original keep it old school good night everybody night everyone good night good,
2: night. good- Take care uh!
1: combined. I am Captain Planet. Captain Planet. Saving our planet is the thing to do Looting and polluting is not the way Hear what Captain Planet has to say The power is yours